Well, good morning to all. My name is BJ. And for the sermon today, I'll be your DJ. <laughs> I'm glad to be here with all my friends in the West. But if I'm going to be honest, the East is the best. Welcome to all of you who are joining online to bring you this word, the pleasures all mine. You know, maybe if you were like me, you grew up, I'm not going to rhyme the whole sermon, don't worry. <laughs> if you were like me, you grew up learning children's prayers that rhymed. Maybe you've heard this one. Now I lay me down to sleep, which by the way is terrible English, but you need it to make it rhyme. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Guide and guard me through the night and wake me with the morning light which I realized later on as a parent that that last part is actually the prayer in the part of the parents that the kid will stay in bed and sleep all night and be woken with the morning light. Or maybe you've heard this one. Maybe you prayed this one around your dinner table. God is great. God is good. And we thank him for our food. That was a, a standard prayer in the Leonard house. Until one day when I was in school, probably, I don't know, maybe kindergarten or first grade, I realized that good and food don't rhyme. This was a crisis for me. I remember as soon as school was over, I ran home. I said, Mom, Mom, we've got a problem. We can't pray this prayer anymore because good and food don't rhyme. But don't worry. Don't worry, Mom. I rewrote the prayer. God is good. God is great. And we thank him for our plate. <laughs> it didn't stick. It didn't stick. So don't worry. Don't worry. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for all of the parents and grandparents who have taught their, their children to pray. Even if it means it kind of sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, it's still good for kids to learn how to pray because it teaches them how to acknowledge that good things come from God. It teaches us to, to direct our attention away from ourselves towards God. However, one observation is that we often find ourselves praying for things that are right around us. We often pray for things in the, you could say, in the here and now. You know, we pray, God, please help me with this, or, or God, please provide this for me, or, or, or this for a good friend of mine. Please help this person who's close to me, and, and, or, or God, if you can help in this situation, um, it would really help me or really help our situation out a lot, and uh, could you please do it soon, if possible. When we pray, our natural perspective, our natural perspective draws us and our prayers into the things that are right around us, into things that, that affect us personally and immediately. And so our prayers are often a reflection of our lives. If your life is your kids, you're going to pray for your kids. If, if your life is your job or, or life is your marriage or your house or your upcoming vacation, whatever it is that's imminent, that's right in front of you, it's likely that that is what you naturally are going to pray about. But what if we were to broaden our perspective beyond just this? Well, in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, we get to see his perspective as he prays. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he, that's God, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And then he goes on, he says, now to him who is able to do even immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Man, that's a big prayer. Paul was praying for something way, way beyond himself. I mean, think about it. He's praying for this church in Ephesus. He probably knew some of them because he spent some time there, but there's also people there that he's never met before. But then he doesn't just pray for the, the church in Ephesus. If you notice, he, he prays uh, for all the Lord's people. And then he expands it even more and says, I'm not just gonna pray for all the Lord's people. I'm gonna pray for all the Lord's people throughout all generations. And then he expands it even more. Go, go, we your arms out to not just what he can think, what he can imagine, but even beyond what he can ask or imagine. He's saying, God, I don't even want this prayer or what you're gonna do to be dependent upon what I can think of. I want, God, for you to do what you know is best. That's a big perspective. That is a really, really big perspective. Well, a couple years ago, I went to a leadership retreat uh, with some other church leaders. And uh, the first evening that we were there was dedicated prayer. And I, I really, really appreciated that. You know, we could have just jumped in and started making decisions and, and, you know, putting things on the calendar. But instead we said, let's take the first evening to pray. And so that's what we did. The room was filled with index cards and, and pens. And so we took probably 15 or 20 minutes and we just wrote down our prayers. God, please be in the midst of this situation. God, please help with this. God, please do this. And then we took all the cards to the front and we prayed over each and every one of those prayer requests. It was a really, really cool evening. Well, the next morning, an unnamed accountant took all of those cards and he arranged them. He charted them in circles. So the inner circle was prayers for ourselves. And then prayers for our families, and then our friends, and finally out to our church, our community, and then the outer circle was our world. And I need to tell you, if it had been target practice, we were really, really good shots because there were dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of prayers. Each one of those prayers was a little dot and there were just dots everywhere in the middle for ourselves. And then of course, you know, we wanted to pray for our families. We want to pray for, you know, our, our, our kids and our spouses and, and everybody that's right, right close to us, our, our friends. And then we had a few prayers for our church, you know, we're church leaders, so we should pray for the church. And then maybe five or six prayers for the community. And then I think one, maybe two prayers for the world. You know, the other seven billion people on our planet. What would it look like for us to intentionally pray for the outer circles? What would it look like for us to intentionally pray? I'm gonna pray for the outer circles. I'm gonna pray for our community. I'm gonna pray for our world. I'm gonna pray for people that I've never met before. Not to diminish the inner circles. 
Not, I'm, I'm not trying to diminish or, or devalue the inner circles. Yes, we should pray for God's work in our lives. Yes, we should, we should pray for God to work in our lives personally. And, and of course, yes, pray for grandma. Pray, for, pray that grandma gets better. I'm, I'm not diminishing that, but what I'm saying is, what if we added prayers in the outer circles? What if we prayed for persecuted Christians? People who have to gather in fear. People who live in places where it's illegal, it's dangerous to be a Christian. You might not know that, but there are hundreds of millions of people who are part of what's known as the underground church, where they have to gather in secret in order to worship, to, to, to hear the word together. It's, it's illegal to have a Bible. What if we prayed for, for people groups who don't have a Bible? There are many, many people groups around the world that have never heard the name of Jesus, that have, have never, they don't have even a single word of the Bible in their language. What if, what if we prayed for, for refugees? What if we prayed for situations around the world? What if we prayed for, for pastors and churches and Christians that are far, far, far outside of ourselves? Well, these types of prayers are difficult. They're difficult for three reasons. First of all, they don't naturally come to mind. I don't, I don't naturally think about persecuted Christians in Turkmenistan. In fact, if I'm honest, I didn't realize Turkmenistan was a country until just a couple years ago. And so these things, they don't come to mind because they're not right around us. They don't have our immediate attention. We often don't think outside of ourselves in our immediate situations. Secondly, sometimes it's difficult when, when we think about praying for, for the outer circle, sometimes it's difficult to measure success. I mean, how do I even know if, if God is answering this prayer? I mean, if, if I pray for the underground church in Asia or, or I pray for, for orphans in, in Africa, how do I know if God is even answering that prayer? We like to see results, don't we? We are check-the-box type of people. And so it makes sense. You pray for grandma, and then two weeks later, grandma gets better. Check. Mission accomplished. Done. But it's difficult to pray for things when we can't see that checkbox, when, when we can't see that that mission is accomplished. But the third reason, I would say probably this is the most powerful reason, is the question that we've all asked ourselves before. And maybe we've even asked someone else. What if God doesn't answer our prayer? We might be hesitant to put ourselves out there and ask for something, but what if God doesn't answer it? What if we pray for the refugees to get out, but then they don't? What if we pray for an end of, to, to oppression and injustice, but then it just gets worse? How do we handle that? Well, in all three situations, in all three circumstances, the answer is simple. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but it is simple. We choose to trust that God can make a difference. We choose to trust that God can make a difference. We, we choose to trust that, that even though we are far from a situation, that God is near to it. 
So when we pray for the underground church or, or, or we pray for refugees or, or Bibleist peoples, we are praying that in, in faith that God is close to that situation, that God is near and that God can make a difference. And we just have to put measures in place to remind ourselves, to get our attention to those outer circles. And so uh, for me, I have this card. I made this, oh, probably five or six years ago. And it's a list of things in the outer circles that I can pray for. And so there's, there's churches and there's pastors around the country and around the world and there's situations in our community and there's situations you know, all over the place. And it's neat because sometimes I can, I can say, man, I can see how God worked in this if I you know, watch the news or, or I get a, a newsletter from, from a missionary far off. And I need this. And so I, I made this. Every once in a while I lose it and Mary and the girls have to help me find it again and I get it back in the Bible. But every morning I look at this because if I didn't have this reminder, my mind would be focused on the bowl of Cheerios in front of me and my to-do list for the day. And so we have to put things in place to remind us to pray for the outer circles. And so we choose to trust that even though we are far from a situation, that God is near to it. Secondly, we choose to trust God that even when we don't see success, that God is at work. We aren't just saying these prayers up into the ceiling. We are choosing to trust that even though we can't see the end of the story, even though we can't check the box, even though we can't say, man, I don't know if the mission is accomplished or not, we are choosing to trust that God is still on mission. That even if we don't see the end of the story, that God does, that he knows and that he is working. So we are joining with God. And then thirdly, we choose to trust that God knows best. That God is powerful enough, he is all powerful to answer our prayers but that God is also all-knowing. He's wise enough to answer our prayers in the right way. You know, I like the way that uh, Pastor Timothy Keller puts it. He explains it this way. He, said, he says, if we knew everything that God knows, then we would always answer our prayers the way that God does. But our vision, our perspective, our understanding is so limited. Sometimes I'm so thankful as I look back at my life that God didn't answer my prayers, what I asked, because it would have been terrible for me. God is wise enough to answer our prayers in the best way possible. And so, so much of our prayers can be just submitting to God and saying, God, this is what I want for this situation. But more importantly, as Paul prayed, may you do something that even goes beyond what I can ask or imagine. We can choose to trust that God is going to make a difference in the outer circles. But the question is, what are we choosing to trust that God is going to do? Well, to help explain this, we're going to look at this rope right here. Okay? I want you to imagine that this rope goes on forever. Okay? It never ends. This rope is the timeline of our existence. Okay? The Bible tells us that we live a short time here on earth, maybe 70, 80, if we're lucky, 90 years, and then we meet God and we enter into eternity, either eternity in God's presence or eternity separated from God. 
Now, the crazy thing is this, like I said, this little red part, it marks our, our time here on earth. The crazy thing is that, is that we focus so much on this, don't we? I mean, we focus so much, we think, man, if I can just work, 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 and, and you know, I, I can save up a little bit more, then, man, I can finally buy that house I've always wanted. We can, we can buy our dream house, our dream car. We can go on our dream vacation right here. Man, if, if I could have that pair of shoes, man, I would look great right here, wouldn't I? And so we are consumed by this. We are consumed by this short amount of time that we have here on earth. But this is crazy because the Bible teaches us that what we do here, the Bible tells us that what we do here determines how we will spend the rest of eternity. And it isn't just our eternity either. We, during the short time that we have here on earth, we can influence how other people's eternities turn out. We can, we can share the message. We can influence other people. So why in the world would we spend this short time that we have right here focused blindly on just this when we know that we have all of this ahead of us? You know, the Apostle Paul said, I am not going to be distracted by the things around me. He said, I, I am not gonna, I'm not gonna get stuck here. I'm not gonna focus on this. I'm gonna press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I don't care what it costs me. I'm gonna tell as many people as I can about Jesus. I'm gonna plant as many churches as I can. I'm gonna take this message as far as I possibly can because I know that it's worth it. And even if it costs me my own life, I don't care. I'm willing to pour out my life, every drop of what I have, because I know that one day I'm going to cross over that finish line. I'm going to move from the temporary to the eternal, and I'm going to know that it was all worth it. It was all worth it. Friends, we only get one chance at this. When we get to the end of our years here on earth, and the Bible says that it's like a mist, it's gone just like that. When we get to the end of our time here, we don't get a redo. We don't get another chance. And for any one of us, our lives could end in a second. I mean, just Friday morning, we lost a 19-year-old on his way to work, just like that. We only get one chance. So I have to ask, what are we living for? Are we living for this or are we living for eternity? What are we praying about? Are we praying about this or are we praying with an eternal perspective? So what are we trusting God to do? We are trusting that when we pray for things in the outer circles with an eternal perspective, we are trusting that our prayers right now will make a difference in eternity. We are trusting that when we pray right now, we can pray for things that will have an eternal impact in the lives of others. In Paul's letter to the, to the church in Colossae, he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Don't get caught up in the distractions right here because our lives end so quickly. So set your minds on things above. When we look to eternity, our perspective changes. Our perspective changes. Many of you are probably aware that uh, several weeks ago, we lost a, a dear saint in the life of this church, Gil Bauman. Um, Gil was a great guy. 
and uh, he loved the Lord. I had the opportunity to preach uh, his funeral, and honestly, I didn't really have to preach much because his life preached. And so I remember, um, well, first of all, if you knew Gil, you probably know his wife, Carol. Carol Bauman is probably one of the most social, talkative, huggiest people on the entire planet. Every time I go to her house, she gives me like 10 hugs and tries to feed me something. And so I remember uh, going to her house and she tried to feed me something. And uh, while I was there, we were planning uh, Gil's funeral. And, we, and we, were, we were planning, what do we want this day to look like? How can we honor Gil? And we were lamenting the fact that because of COVID, that we just couldn't have that day the way that we wanted. Because if it wasn't for COVID, you know what? We would have had like a, like a seven-hour visitation. And Carol would have sat right here. She would have talked to each and every person for 25 minutes and given them three hugs and maybe a kiss in the process. And then after the funeral was over, we wouldn't have just had a funeral dinner. We would have had like a banquet down in the fellowship hall. We would have gathered together for hours and hours, and we would have had multiple servings of dessert, and we would have talked, and we would have laughed, and we would have cried, and we would have shared memories all evening long. And so when we came to the moment where we realized that we couldn't do that, I could see that Carol was pretty sad. But I said, Carol, don't forget, one day we will all gather together at the feast of our Lord. And the conversations and the memories and the laughter and the joy and the celebration will never end. Never. When we have an eternal perspective, everything else looks different. You know, one of, one of, my, one of my favorite uh, songs by, by pastor and hip-hop artist Triple E, it goes this way. And by the way, he has faced multiple uh, tragedies in his life. He has a, a debilitating syndrome. And he says this. He says, the good life's not, not fully here yet. Please take me soon. But until then, I'll be praising in the waiting room. Let me say that again. The good life's not fully here yet. Please take me soon. But until then, I'll be praising in the waiting room. We realize that eternity is not fully here yet. But until then, we are going to praise God. We are going to live our lives. We are going to pray. We are going to serve. We are going to share as we wait for eternity to come in full culmination. And when we pray with an eternal perspective, we expect in faith that God is going to bring about change in other people's lives. We believe that God is going to, to soften hearts, that God is going to take the message of the gospel to, to brand new people. And so we're praying for the outer circles. We're praying for all the people out here. But the amazing thing is that in the process, God transforms us. When we pray selflessly, suddenly we are blessed because our perspective changes. I love the way that, that Paul Miller uh, puts it. He says that praying changes us. The act of praying draws God into our lives and begins to change us, the prayer, in subtle ways. And so even though we didn't pray for ourselves, we get changed in the process. I love it. But oftentimes, we have to remember that our current circumstances don't change. 
while we may be praying in light of eternity, we're still praying in the midst of the here and now. We're still praying in the midst of, of challenging circumstances and disappointments and, and, and the imperfect present that, that we have to live in. I was reminded of this a couple years ago when I knelt down to pray for my son, Dominic. Many of you are probably aware that uh, we had the opportunity to foster Dominic for a couple years, and then this last December, we adopted him. Well, one of the things that we started doing, one of the things that, that we do with, with all of our children, with Dominic and the girls, is we pray a prayer of blessing over them. And so it goes something like this. Dear God, I pray that, that Dominic or Hannah or Lydia or Mia will grow up to know and love and serve you and walk with you all the days of their life. It's just a simple blessing over our, over our children. But that night, a couple years ago, I was just sensing that, man, I don't just want to pray for Dominic's life, but I want to pray for the lives that Dominic can reach. And so I began to pray. And God, I pray that, that you will use Dominic in, in a powerful way. Lord, that you will use him to, to take the message of, 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 of the gospel, to take the good news to, to, to others. Lord, use him to reach God, thousands, even tens of thousands of people for your glory, that they might come to know you in a real and saving way, that, that transformation would happen. And I was just overcome as, as I prayed this prayer for him. And so I got to the end, and with tears in my eyes, I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And I, as I knelt there, I looked down at Dominic, and he looked back at me, and he said, Dad, cookie monster's outside. What? Cookie monster? Did you hear anything that I just prayed over you? And I had to remember in that moment that he's still only two, and apparently he watches Sesame Street. But I also had to remember someday, someday outside of today, that God can do something amazing in his life. God can do something amazing when we pray with an eternal perspective. You know, as I look at the ministry of this church, and, and honestly, as, as I look at, at all of your lives, as, as one of your pastors, I have been able to see how your prayers are making a huge difference, how transformation's happening. And they, they start with just little simple prayers when we pray with an eternal perspective. And so, you know, I think about um, a lady in the life of our church who, man, she loves our ministry in Kenya. And she's not able to go herself because of some physical limitations, but she prays fervently for our teams that go. And in fact, even on the days when, when uh, we're sending a team to Kenya, she's here in the parking lot and, and she's a part of that prayer team uh, sending us. And I would say, even though she has never been able to go herself, she is as much a part of those Kenya teams as anyone who actually goes. Or I, I think about a, a dad who, who recently, um, his son was, uh, was a part of a little league team, and he had no plans of becoming a coach. But you guys know where this story is going, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I've been there too, all three seasons. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's like, okay, well, I'm a coach. Uh, I've got the roster. I'll just start praying for each of the kids on the roster. I'll just, just pray for them by name. I don't know their situation. I'm just going to pray. God, please bless this kid. Please bless this kid. Or, or I think about like a mom 
a similar situation. She prays over the snacks before she takes them into the classroom. She prays over, you know, the prepackaged cupcakes. There's probably multiple reasons to pray over those. And then, you know, she, she takes, them into, uh, takes them into the class. Or, or students who pray for their teachers or teachers who pray for their students. Just simple little prayers. But probably my favorite is uh, there was an elderly couple uh, that lived pretty close to an elementary school. And so uh, they noticed every day that a little boy would walk past their house on their way to school. And then at the end of the day, he would walk back past their house on the way home. And so somewhere along the way, they decided, hey, let's start praying for him. We don't even know his name, but we'll just pray for the little boy with the red backpack. And so they started praying for him as he would go to school and as he would go home. And it was just, you know, simple prayers. It's not like they, you know, jumped him on the sidewalk and were like, what's your prayer request? They didn't, they didn't stalk him. They prayed for him. And there's some days that they missed and, you know, sometimes they forgot or they'd go on vacation. But, you know, over the course of, of his elementary career, you could say, uh, they prayed hundreds of just simple little prayers for him. Well, that little boy grew up and became a pastor who's had an influence on many, many people's lives for the glory of God. When we pray with an eternal perspective, God answers. When we pray with an eternal perspective, God answers. In the mid-1890s, a woman in South Dakota named Ruth Morse began praying that God would give her another child so she could dedicate him or her into God's service as a missionary. And so in 1898, Justin Russell Morse was born. Throughout the boy's childhood, uh, his mother continued to pray for him and, and to train him up for the work of whatever God would have for him. So Jay Russell grew up and uh, he got married. And, and while he was in college, he and his wife heard a missionary doctor who pleaded with them to go back with him to Tibet to be a part of a, a medical mission there. And so the young couple, they prayed about it. And amazingly, they decided to go. They had a four-month-old son. And so it's not like they just jumped on a Delta Airlines flight to, you know, lay over somewhere in Hong Kong and then the rest of the way there in a day. No, they got on a ship and it took weeks and weeks and weeks to get across the ocean. And then, you know, another month of traveling up into the mountains to this mission. Well, the young couple did not know that soon after their arrival, that Dr. Shelton would be shot and killed by bandits. So here they were, 24 years old. What did they do? They prayed. They prayed with an eternal perspective. And they decided to stay. And so at 24, they inherited the mission. Well, after many difficult years of ministry filled with hunger, sickness, and, and treacherous travel, political instability, and, and even experiencing death, even experiencing the death of, of their own daughter, Anzie, the Morses began to pray specifically for an unreached people group known as the Lisu people. God opened up doors for a good reception, and thousands of Lisu people came to faith in Jesus. The Morse family is now in its fourth generation of mission in Southeast Asia. I've personally been to Thailand and Myanmar, and I have met some of the descendants of those people that the Morses reached. I have goosebumps right now. 
they now number in the millions. Millions of people who've come to faith. And I think about a mom in South Dakota praying with an eternal perspective. And you know, her life on earth here, there was nothing special about it. Nothing that would set her apart from anyone else. But the difference that she made while she prayed here made an eternal difference. What will God do in our lives, in our families' lives? What will God do in our community, in our world, when we pray with an eternal perspective? God, we want to we pray with an eternal perspective. Lord, help us. Lord, where we have fears, where we have doubts, where we don't even know where to begin. Lord, help us. Lord, we want to get outside of ourselves. We want to have a bigger perspective. We want to be a part of what you're doing around the world. And so, Lord, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here in a second, the worship team is going to come and, and they're going to lead us. Uh, but we want to give you a moment now to begin thinking about how you can pray for things in, on, on the outer circles. How can you pray for our community? How can you pray for, for our country, for, for our world? How can you pray for things way, way, way outside of yourself? And so we want to give you a chance to do that right now, to, to have just a few moments uh, to pray, to pray for those outer circles trusting that God will make an eternal difference and believing that God will change you in the process. And so maybe you're, you're looking for, for some different ways to pray. Uh, you know, maybe you're drawing a blank. Man, right now, the situation in the Middle East is really, really tense. And so you can pray for that situation. You can pray for Christians there. You can pray for people who are far from Christ there. Or, or, or maybe it's unreached people around the world. Pray that God would work in powerful ways to take the message of Jesus to those people for the very first time. Or maybe something a little bit closer to home. You know, we've got the At The Movies series coming up here in just a couple weeks. Pray that God would open up doors for you to invite someone to that series. That might be the start of a different eternity for that person. And so we're going to give you a couple moments now to pray, and then I'll close this in prayer. God, we want to come before you humbling ourselves. God, this isn't about us. This is all about you. 
Lord, take our minds, take our perspective, take our focus out to the outer circles of what you're doing around the world. Lord, we wanna serve you. We wanna be a part of what you're doing. And so Lord, we lift these prayers up to you today and in the days ahead for your glory in Jesus' name.